Hello everyone and welcome to Volume 4, Issue 160 of Kane and Rince. Uh, this episode we're talking about Spelunky, but before we get on to that, uh, play along with Kane and Rince Volume 4. Uh, we've got Return to Castle Wolfenstein coming up, then Assassin's Creed 3, then we continue our journey through the Silent Hill series with Silent Hill 4, The Room, then Sound Shapes, then the WarioWare games. Head to CaneandRince.com for the full schedule, the blog, and links to our merchandise stall. You'll also find links to Facebook, Google+, and YouTube on the site as well. Also, please check out our new podcast, Sound of Play. It was an iTunes number one. Uh, we've got six podcasts out so far, so uh, give those a listen. Uh, please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps our podcast quite a lot. Okay, uh, joining me, Joshua Garrity, this issue. Joining me, Joshua Garrity, this issue, Darren Gargett. Olmec Crash. James Carter. I hear snakes. And Sean O'Brien. I'm not sure if I can get through this episode without cursing, so. Apologies ahead of time. So, Spelunky was originally released in, uh, well, Wikipedia says both 2008 and 2009 uh, on PC. Uh, But I'm going to go with 2009 because I think that is the accurate date, September 1st, 2009, on PC by Derek Yu. It was created by Derek Yu. And Spelunky is a roguelike platformer. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what roguelike means, it just basically means like randomly generated environments, one life. Uh, item effects that vary from instance to instance of playing the game. Uh, and then the game that we're going to spend the majority of this podcast talking about is the remake that uh, was also created by Derek Yu. Uh, he was also also the lead artist on that game. He also brought in some help, uh, lead programmer and designer, Andy Hull. Um, and that was released in 2012 on Xbox Live Arcade and then uh, uh, 2013 on PC, PC uh, PS3 and PS Vita. And then most recently on the PS4 uh, in 2014. So uh, we will talk about the original game in some more detail in a minute. But first, I kind of want to hear your guys' histories, how you came across Spelunky. Uh, uh, how, yeah, how, w- were you excited for it or did a friend recommend it to you, what have you? Let's start with James. Um, my, my first encounter with Spelunky, I guess, was, was via podcasts. Lots of people on podcasts sort of talking about it um, over the course of, um, a, I guess, a couple of years since its release. Uh, but once it came out on Vita, that was when I really got interested. So I'd sort of dabbled with it towards the end of 2013. Um, and then last year, uh, around March time, I, I started sinking my teeth into it on Vita. Um, and and yeah, that was the platform of of choice for me, and that's where I, I played it. So obviously, uh, a little bit later than its uh, its release. Cool, Darren. Yeah, I'd heard about Spelunky the original on One Up podcasts. I think Patrick Clippett was going on about it the most, and I was never really at the point in my life. I wasn't really intrigued or interested by super tough games. You know, I was very much in the camp of just like you know just playing games as games were. 
And then Super Meat Boy happened, and we realised that hard games are actually really rewarding when done right. And I thought, ah, oh, nah, I'm still not really interested in Spelunky. And then, you know, I, I, I let it lay dormant for a few years, and then I realised that the remake was coming on Xbox Live Arcade, and yeah, I just grabbed it straight away. Sean? Um, I think my earliest memory of Spelunky was the Giant Bomb Quick Look, which I think I've said a bunch of times on this podcast. Um, But around the time like I just I watched what they were doing with it and watched other videos about it and just not to give anything away for the rest of the show but the visual style didn't really grab me so um while everybody was talking about it a lot and especially about the difficulty which was intriguing to me I never really um was too interested in it actually and then uh when the Vita version came out a couple I want to say like a couple months after it came out um it went on sale so I was like, oh, whatever, four bucks for Splunky. I'll give it a shot, right not? And then I didn't stop playing it for about a month. And I didn't beat it for a month. <laughs> like, I played it every day uh, for hours, just sitting there on the couch, ignoring uh, my fiance and everything else around <laughs> me, just like, gotta beat this game. And um, I beat it once, and I still have never returned. Yeah, um, I, to be honest... M- it was Darren that really got me into uh, Spelunky uh, when it came out on Xbox Live Arcade. Um, I remember you talking about it and getting really excited about it, and uh, I thought, well, Dar- Darren knows his 2D platformers. He he's very he's very knowledgeable in that regard. So um, I I gave it a shot, and for quite a long time, I actually really didn't enjoy my time with uh, Spelunky, uh, but it was. As after many many months of continually playing it, that I eventually uh, came to feel about it the way I feel about it now, which we'll get onto in the podcast. So, Spelunky has a number of influences, um, and Papa Papa Leon helped me out with this <laughs> list of uh, list of games that were uh, made and released before I was even born. Most of them. Um, so, Rick Dangerous kind of from the footage I've seen struck me as the game that kind of mm. that Spelunky owes a lot of its both aesthetic and kind of design to. Mm. I noticed a lot of the, the traps in Rick, Rick Dangerous are similar mm. to Spelunky. There's the bombs there and just the character mm. looks a lot like uh, the Spelunky dude that you play as in the game. Mm. But also there's Spelunka uh, which uh, I, the ghost from Spelunka yeah. looks quite similar to the ghost that uh, has given us quite a, a you know been a pain in our sides in this game. <laughs> uh, but the bombs feature in there as well, and and more. The most recent uh, influence that Derek you cited was uh, La Mulana, which is actually a game released in uh, two thousand five. Um, La, La Mulana is more of a Metroidvania game. Uh, I would describe it as, um, but like definitely it has the same Indiana Jones aesthetic and the whip uh, as well. So, mm. yeah. Um, so I did ask you guys to play uh, the original Spelunky, the freeware game, because I was aware most of us, uh, our first experience with this game was the remake. Um, so. What what did you guys think of the original, and how how do you think it compares uh, with the the remake? I hated it, um, <laughs> but not but not um, for its quality. It's just I I can't. 
play it like that. Like I, I started, uh, I turned it on. It was the first for the first time just last week, and um, I tried getting through just one level, and just the, it, everything. You can see where all the things transferred over into the remake, but yeah, just everything about even just the way it controls and the way he runs, it's like way faster than he did. Well, it felt way faster anyway, just because I'm yeah. so used to um, the original Splunky or <laughs> the original, the my original Splunky. Um, but it just everything just felt so different, and I just I couldn't I couldn't play it anymore. But I could mm. totally see where um, everything came from. Yeah. So came about before the rise of the standardization in controllers on PCs and even yeah. though there is a config menu in the original Spelunky to config the controller it didn't want to know what it was uh, what, what I had in my yeah. hands so <laughs> you know playing it was a bit of a nightmare it's kind of like playing a driving game with a keyboard you just it just yeah. doesn't work for me and yeah you know I appreciate the art style you know it's much more of mm-hmm. um you know an 8-bit style I guess and the the soundtrack can it, it's got a lot of retro nostalgia but where it comes down to actually playing it, it's where it kind of falters for me. I mean, I I think it's got the basics down, like the jump, the jump feels good, and and mm-hmm. and all of that. But the the little things like, like the fact that you have to select bombs and mm. ropes rather yeah. than them just being mapped to a yeah. button feels really, yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. And and the speed at which you have to play that that game as well, having to you know click through to get to the bombs or the ropes it just it's not it's not ideal especially Mm. for a lot of the situations that game presents you but also another thing i noticed was um the randomization of the levels didn't feel as consistently good as Mm. the remake um Mm. just playing it uh before this uh, before this recording um the I started the level and there were traps either side of the platform I was on and there was no <laughs> rock I could throw down to trigger them or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So and that that almost almost never happens in right. the in the remake whereas uh, in this game I I found that happening several times where there's no way I can progress without taking some kind of damage mm-hmm. and um it's stuff like that where I'm like, yeah, um, the, the, this this game needed needed the remake because there's just these small details that needed polishing. Uh, J- James, did you manage? You, you, yes, you did. You played yeah. it before this recording, didn't you? <laughs> I, I played it for uh, an hour or so before the before we started recording, and I said this about the burnout games, and I've said this a, a couple of times when I've gone back through. In this case, it's not a series; it's just to to an original version. Um, it's surprising how much of the game was already there, how much of the the ideas, the mechanics, um, like ledge crawl and um, and the notion of dropping down. There's a lot of kind of um, tutorial tips at the beginning that kind of all made sense, but the keyboard got in the way. I even in the tutorial, I walked up to the crate that you have to get the bomb from, and I was like, how do I open this crate again? <laughs> no, it's yeah. gone. No yeah. idea. I started trying to whip it. I was pressing down an X. I was doing everything until I randomly just started. It just happened to press <laughs> up an X, and it just popped out, and I was like, okay, fine. Um, yeah, the item management's clunky. Um, it, even just stuff like the amount of travel you have to have on a key on a keyboard, it feels like a laborious um, effort almost to to actually take any action in the game. You know, getting to to be able to run, it didn't feel natural to know what distance, what's, what horizontal distance I had to move before the run would kick in. 
uh, things like that. Um, that said, I got through a couple of levels without any problem. I gathered about I don't know fifteen, twenty, twenty thousand or so in in gold. So um, there were transferable skills there. You know, I knew how to play the game. I knew what it was asking of me, which is, I guess, what I mean when I say a lot of the core ideas were there. Uh, but yeah, it. it I'm not great at platforms anyway. I kind of don't need to be looking at my fingers to know what button I'm pressing and and how to to do things. So that it really didn't feel as um, as comfortable as or as intuitive um, as it did even just five ten minutes into playing it on Vita. Um, the buttons all made sense on that. It, it, you know, I knew how to do all the things I wanted to do with with a kind of more standardized control method, control scheme, as as you guys mentioned. Um, but then stuff like walking through spikes and, as I say, ledge crawl and stuff, that's that's stuff that you don't necessarily do automatically when you first play the remake, uh, but it's great to see that stuff was in there. They almost feel like little sort of secret uh, hot tips that you would give to someone who was who was starting the game for the first time, you know, make sure you know and do this stuff and, uh, and make sure you set off the traps. So it's, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I did like the fact that one of the uh, generated levels... Um, by the time I got down to one of the traps, it had already been sprung by a rock, and that was always a great <laughs> feeling when I was playing the remake. When you yeah. saw traps already sprung, and you thought, "Yes, don't need to worry about that." That's mm. you know, just because randomly a rock or an enemy happened to be uh, to be in its sight. So yeah, mm. I remember there being like a, quite a concentrated pocket of people talking about this game in 2009. Um, you know, like I say, Patrick Klepek for me brought it to light, and I, I investigated it because. Well, I was working at Mastertronic at the time and the guy behind me was dabbling with the game because he, he was interested in the idea of playing a really hard platformer. And he was saying like the, the, the sense of community behind that game was very similar to, you know, the first time people play Fez and, and Dark Souls and stuff like There's a very much of like, well, how did you do that? And there's a lot of community feedback as opposed to the game spelling out every, uh, you know, movement and um, controls to you. So yeah, there was a lot of that kind of that weird rare sense of communal feedback that everyone just sort of mucks in and adds to like a massive document of information and i really appreciate that about you know a, a game's mystery and uh you know seemingly yeah. seemingly nebulous uh, you know game design that's sh- yeah that shared discovery and mm. uh, and s- dissemination of information through almost almost like playground rumor and that kind of thing again. that's right yeah 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 definitely like I, I wasn't there for the time, but you know, I, we're going to talk about it later on. But how they found out how to find half the stuff in this game—it's <laughs> yeah. it's got, it's got to be through just pure, you know, nitpicking away at all yeah. the nooks yeah. and crannies. What's yeah. a random chance, I imagine, as well. Yeah. Mm. So that remake, then the game that we've spent the majority of our uh, our time uh, with, um, there there were a few. Well, not a few. There was quite a lot of differences right out of the gate. Um, the aesthetic and the music, uh, whereas the original Spelunky had a very, you know, 8-bit uh, kind of retro game aesthetic, uh, this game went for a more, um, I don't know, like Disney kind mm-hmm. of cartoonish style. Um, now I, I know that uh, some people are put off by this mm-hmm. aesthetic. I, mm-hmm. I know Sean, you you mentioned yeah. not being so keen on the aesthetic. Yeah, it's hard to really even describe. It's just a matter. It's just a thing of taste, I guess. Like I just, you know, it doesn't yeah. appeal to my uh, my taste. So, especially it's the noses. I hate big noses. Yeah, <laughs> big noses, and all the characters have them. Um, 
I, I mean, I, I have to be honest. I'm not a huge fan of the player character mm-hmm. designs in this game. I, I like the enemy designs, the, the mm-hmm. monsters and creatures and all of that. But, like, his pink nose is really distracting and and uh, like none of them kind of none of them feel iconic mm. in the way that like a super meat boy or a shovel knight yeah. does like mm. i don't i don't spelunk the spelunky guy that image of him he, he doesn't immediately strike you as like this or you know he's not a mario yeah, he's not yeah. a he's not one of them it's that something something that i can't really describe i'm attempting to but failing because it's impossible but it's that special something where you go that's a, an iconic mm. character and i don't think this guy has has it well, he, he's just a generic indiana jones guy well that's it isn't it he looks just yeah. like indiana jones and no one knows yeah. his name yeah. as far as i'm aware he's you know he has no name so therefore you you don't really have that connection with him yeah from the off whereas mario's got the name on the box uh but you know the art style is very uh what's that it's very evocative of that era of xbox live arcade where games were getting remade for that system and they had that kind yeah. of cartoony look like jetpack yeah. refueled springs to mind as like an old 8-bit looking yeah. game being remade for xbox live arcade and it's all very round and Colourful is not a negative, but it's very round and like you know, just it's hard to explain. But it, it looks very much like an Xbox Live arcade game of you know of that era. And you know, I I don't dislike it, but <clears throat> I can see why people when they first saw it after the eight bit looking one, they were like, "What the hell is that?" Do you know what I mean? Like they were so used to this this hardcore looking game being you know not caring about how it looks because it's all pixels and it looks raw and gritty, and now all of a sudden yeah. it looks like. Yeah, like um, you know, a Goofy and Mickey Mouse cartoon. Yeah, I've got to say, I I, I really liked the um, the aesthetic of the original when I saw it. Um, perhaps that's coming off of um, Binding of Isaac Rebirth with its kind of pixelated look. Um, but it also reminded me a bit of, of Super Meat Boy when you first see that. Yeah. Um, obviously, like the the cutscenes in between are all really nicely done, but it's just something like really pared down and um, and almost bare bones. But it cuts straight to the point. Um, but it, it did it had a real sort of uh, nice look to it. I think um, not that I don't like the the remakes graphics, but um, and I certainly like the uh, the graphics of the remake better than um, Spelunker HD, yeah. the, the yeah. HD version yeah, of that game, yeah. and and even La Mulana, I think I, I prefer the sort of brighter colours and that sort of more rounded uh, look to everything. You're right, Darren. There's a rounded look, edged everything, softened almost edge, but. But with a real, still a real sharpness to it, mm. which is nice. So I definitely preferred the look of it yeah. to those. I've got to say. I, I mean, the 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 one compliment I would give the aesthetic of the remake is that it, it does convey visual information, just mechanical yeah. information mm, yeah. that the player yeah. needs really, really well in a way that I think the original doesn't do quite so well. And especially seeing the footage of Spelunker HD, um, yeah, which I, I I know got quite a critical whipping when it came out um but looking at the footage it it, do, it doesn't look like it's conveying the information mm-hmm. particularly well and, and and stuff like that whereas the this definitely does a- another change uh from the original spelunky is the music so the music for the original freeware game was uh composed by george Buznikai. i apologize if i'm pronouncing that wrong george and Jonathan Perry, um, which I think in its own right, is that's a great soundtrack as well. But um, the music composed by Eric uh, Shurik, 
uh, Eric Shurik for the remake. Um, it, it's one of my favorite soundtracks in recent mm. memory. Yeah. Um, it definitely, it's definitely still going for that uh, Sega Genesis vibe. Mm. Um, but I, some of the tunes, like. It has that super mo- uh, super meat boy th- uh, meat boy thing, uh, where um, you don't mind listening to those tracks over and over again. Um, it, it, you can you can listen to these tracks on repeat, um, uh, and it it never gets annoying or frustrating. Um, and for for a game like this where you're dying so often and you are hearing these tracks so often uh over and over again i i think that's really important hmm. i think for me the, the soundtrack <clears throat> is absolutely spot on and like like you say it, it evokes the mega drive or genesis so well especially when you enter a shop and that weird sort of funky jazz noise kicks off like i yeah. i absolutely love the soundtrack and they kind of it's weird. I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but when I hear the certain tracks for the mines, the jungle, it puts me in a certain mindset for the jungle. So, like, when I hear the jungle noises, I'm then reminded that I'm actually in the jungle because in Spelunky, it's quite easy to forget. Like, you get overconfident and then you, you sort of, you know, you jump down a thing and you get eaten by a thing. And then, but the music for me sort of resets me when I enter a new environment. It's like, oh, I'm in the jungle now. I've got to remember the tiki tracks. Yeah. I've got to remember the man eaters. I've got to remember these things. And, um, yeah. Um, I, oh yeah, I really like the soundtrack, especially when they give you the one in a hundred chance of a retro sounding one. Is that from the original game? I'm not entirely sure. Has anyone heard uh, the? the I, I've, ne- retro I've never encountered yeah. this actually. No, yeah, it's it's a really rare instance. Um, they will bust out an eight bit sounding track, and I'm wondering hmm. if it comes from the original game. I you know I should have done my research before I started this podcast, but yeah, it's um it it is really cool, and there's one per environment, and when you hear it, mm. you, you feel like you've earn something even though you you know you haven't really it's just a, it's just a jukebox playing but yeah there's something something really special about hearing the an 8-bit track in this you know 16-bit looking yeah. game no I, I really understand what you mean about the um it, it's not a pavlovian response it's more just of a trigger but yeah absolutely having that music there um it, it without even needing to look at the screen it just puts you in the mindset of cause there are slight differences in the way you approach each area because what you're looking to get out of it might be slightly different and yeah it's just an immediate sort of yeah hmm. i know where i am know what i'm doing and it just gets you straight into that yeah absolutely yeah it's kind of like the diddle from the mario <laughs> one two level you know you, you know you're underground <laughs> you know the things are going to change and you know it's very similar to that in my head because I, I i know that the rules are starting to change uh, and that's crucial if you want to get to the end of Splunk. Right, so Spelunky is packed full of nuances and details and items and enemies and so forth and so on. So I've decided that the best way to tackle this game is to go world by world and talk about all of these nuances as we stumble across them. So starting with World 1, The Mines, which for me... um, were a huge wall in this game for the mm. longest time. I, when I first started playing Spelunky, I couldn't get past this first world, mm-hmm. which is is <clears throat> hilarious to think of now because I I can pretty much reliably get through the mines without taking uh, any damage. Mm. Um, 
but for the like the spiders on the ceiling uh, yeah. were the biggest issue yeah. for me. Um, there, there's always that. I, I think there's always like the one enemy in each world that gives people uh, <laughs> yeah. an issue. And for the yeah. longest time, it was the spiders on the ceiling for me because I just wasn't checking for them. Yeah. Um, I was playing it like every other platformer where I was just running mm-hmm. through. I was treating this game like Mario, and you cannot play Spelunky like that. You cannot run through you have to methodically check every ceiling every corner and so forth and so on so the mines i think are a big trial by fire for a lot of people Uh, what i like about them is that after you've played it as much as we all have like now we can all probably blow through the mines with relative ease um but yeah when you man like you're saying like for me like when you first uh, play it, it's like the hardest thing you've ever played in your life and it doesn't make any sense that yeah. it can go from being like the hardest thing to the easiest thing for me anyway mm. and um, I like how it, it basically ends up teaching you everything you really need to know about the game start to finish but it's it, it at least eases you in a little bit than if you were to jump in right into the forest for example yeah yeah, yeah no I, th- I think part of that is just yeah, learning the totally. game um, some of it is is you know this isn't a platformer where you can kind of get into a rhythm and you can mm-hmm. almost turn off paying attention to some of it and I know you can't really do it with many tough platformers but the spiders that's why they're there I'm adamant they're there because because Derek you knew that what players were going to do is they'd look for the the bright purple and green enemies that are on the ground mm-hmm. and they'd miss the grey enemies, even though they're they're moving very slightly and with their red eyes, they yeah. are visible, but you just don't look for them because you're looking at what what's on the ground, what you're jumping to next, and not what you're walking under. Um, and that is, it's just training. No, pay attention, stop before you go anywhere. You know, if you drop down from one sort of level floor to the next, you know, just within the same um, the same level, just from some sort of the top to this the second sort of row of, of obstacles down. Um, you know, always be paying attention to what's at the edge of the screen that you might end up accidentally running into. Yeah. Um, and there are occasions where you might sort of drop down into trouble that you can't really see, but you can sort of push the screen a bit further and try and see what's down there, etc. But um, yeah, no, that's exactly what what those are there for. I'm, I'm adamant because yeah. they catch you out. They put you in the mindset of no, nope, stop, think, learn how to play this game. Uh, and then, and it's not. I don't think it is so much the minds, but um, it's interesting what you were saying, Sean, about uh, you know having that moment where it seems insurmountable, the, the minds themselves, and then it gets to the point where they're almost trivial. Because I had uh, a bit more of a sort of up and down uh, relationship with the minds in that I had that exactly as you and Josh did, and probably worse. It probably took me twice as long as anyone to to get through the minds, just because I'm not great at platforming and and uh, just literally jumping would have been enough trouble for me let alone the enemies um but i got better at that but then what i started to do and what you do with each each area once getting through it is no longer insurmountable you've done it and you've done it a few times it starts to become about right i need to get as much out of this area as i can before i move on and that's when you start going after the gold that maybe you shouldn't be going after or blowing up things you shouldn't be blowing up and you know trying to to get bodies onto um, the altar to sacrifice, etc., you know, and making yeah, sure yeah. you get um, 
you get the damsel or, or in my case the dog but um uh yeah so you know you're, you're starting looking around trying to work out how you can wring the most out of this area to make sure you get through the later ones that you're not yet used to and at that point that's when i started again having to learn how to do that safely what to go for what not what was worth a bomb what wasn't you know that sort of yeah. stuff um, and there were moments there when I would blow myself up despite, you know, e- however many times I'd blown through the mines fairly easily, you can still easily make a mistake uh, and and just want to sort of sm- slap yourself in the face <laughs> for being so stupid. Mm. Even now, I'm sure I could go and do that. Yeah, th- this, this game punishes arrogance in a yes. way that... Um, uh, not even Dark Souls punishes arrogance this harshly, I think, because rewards... <clears throat> are often around every corner in Spelunky. Like, you can easily get a shotgun or uh, or a jetpack, if you're lucky, uh, in the first world. Uh, and when you get that, you're like, oh, yes, I've got, I've got my shotgun. I'm invincible now. <laughs> and then you just make stupid mistake after yeah. stupid mistake the moment you get a shotgun. Uh, I think the, the big thing with the shotgun especially is that it propels yep, you backwards. Totally. Yeah. And when yeah. and when you get it, like you just every time I forget about it. Every <laughs> time I forget that it propels you backwards, and I'll I'll shoot a bat and you know propel myself onto some spikes, <laughs> and it's game over. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> stuff like that. It just and and I I find more and more that the mines is the area where I'm the most. As James said, I I am the most willing to take risks and stuff like that because. Because you feel like you know that area so well, um, it is it is the place where you want to get you know the most upgrades, the most gold, and the most mm. uh, damsels to get extra health and and all of that. Um, and uh, another interesting thing about the mines, though, is despite it being the first area, a lot of secrets that don't pay off until a lot later on in the game are actually introduced right here mm. and and it's for the longest time when i played spelunk i i it wasn't until um like i got to the the ice caverns um that uh pe- that i heard any word of like the the black market and mm. and the golden city and stuff like that i i managed to get so far through the game and not even realize these things existed but yeah, you can if if you uh, if you're vigilant, you can find a key and a chest that will give you access to this eye that will uh, start blinking in the jungle to open up the the black market. And then in the black market, you you can get that. Uh, what's the item called in the black market? The yeah. Yes, and and that will give you access to the golden city and also yeah. uh, an opportunity to uh, refresh your lives if you do die. Um, but like the the fact that this game is <laughs> like hiding secrets that, that that don't pay off until ages down the line is is really and and you you Darren you were talking about communities being created around games like Fez and the original Spelunky. I think like a lot of this stuff would have completely passed me by mm. if I had never uh, engaged with the community uh, mm. aspect of this game. Yeah, the, the mines are interesting because they kind of train you in all aspects. I remember being really frustrated at the mines because my arrogance was killing me. You know, I, I was yeah. holding down the right trigger, Super Meat Boy style, to get to the bottom <laughs> of one one and dying. Like, and then I had to force myself not to run. Don't run all the time because that's bad. You know, and yeah. 
bad there and stop running. And, uh, you know, I have to force myself to do things like this. And um, But the way they integrate kind of um, like the Tunnel Man, we'll talk about him later on, but, like, he'll if you do get to the end, he'll go, right, I need something, you know, I need some bombs to dig a hole. But then you realise that oh, he, need, he needs yeah. the key. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember seeing it. Have I seen a key before? And then, you know, you, you then have to take the key to the end. But then that key... You then you then see a chest and you're like, well, obviously they go together, and then it unlocks something. So, very naturally, they're teaching you about mm. items that you wouldn't maybe yeah, yeah. normally in, you know, interact with or seek out because because Tunnel Man asked me for the key. I was then curious about a key, and then it kind of went from there. And then then I found out, you know, about these various uh, hidden worlds and stuff. And it's a very it's a very uh, natural way of teaching the player on how to find all these bits and bobs. Mm. The way the mines is all laid out aesthetically was such a learning curve for me. It was like right, every time I see one of these little grey stony faces, they're going to shoot an arrow. Like it's yeah. very binary, isn't it? It's very yes or no. Mm-hmm. Like if I go past this thing, it's going to spit an arrow. If the arrow's on the floor, then it's not. And you you have to yeah. look out for all these visual indications. And sometimes it's audio. Maybe a spider will accidentally trigger the arrow for you, and then you hear it, and you're like, oh, I've heard that in the corner. Yeah. And <laughs> the game is is really clever about giving you all the cues and. <laughs> there's only a few cases where I've ever been caught out you know unfairly by the game and even then it makes me laugh like I think today when I was doing the I was, I was attempting speed lunker which is a, an 8 minute completion which is you know yeah. for me nearly impossible but when I spawned into 1-1 one, one, I heard a blue snake kill the shopkeeper in one oh, shot God, and I was like yeah. well, that's not that's not my fault yeah. but at the same time <laughs> it's really funny because I just heard this I heard the music and I was like oh, oh no the shopkeeper's kicking off so there was a little war going on down there without even me being there and, um, yeah. You know, I did feel kind of cheated, but because it happened straight away, I, you know, you can you can restart mm-hmm. Spelunky in a, in a matter of moments, which is kind of the key element for trying again, trying again. Just press X, try again, and uh, yeah, yeah, rinse yeah. and repeat. We've said it so many times about games like this. Instant restart is yeah, crucial. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's so paramount. Yeah. Mm. And again, like like Darren was saying. The, the fact that the game does communicate so much through audio and visual cues like the, the it's it's imp- I can't play this game there are quite a few games that I'll play uh like this where I'll just pop on a podcast mm. or something like that I can't yeah, do yeah. it with Spelunky because so much information is communicated through audio so many of the enemies that you have to anticipate down the line mm-hmm. you have to listen for like you were talking about the cobras who spit poison you'll hear them well before mm-hmm. you see them yeah. and you have and you have to account for that you you need to be able to deal with that when when you get there and and i i think i was being a little unfair when i said i would have never discovered these secrets uh if it wasn't for the community you, darren is absolutely right like the game is trying to teach you that stuff i think the thing is you have to play this game for so long for mm. those puzzle pieces to start to fit together oh yeah and um and like at you know at the point where i was at with the game i i had only played it for like 20 hours or something like that and um uh and people were talking about it constantly on twitter so uh, i i wasn't i was kind of robbed of the opportunity to discover some of that stuff uh for myself but at the same time like yeah, I, I I really love a lot a lot a lot of the community aspects of this game, which we'll get onto later. Mm. Um, you talked about the Tunnel Man, Darren. 
Um, who I think is the closest thing in this game to an iconic character that everyone <laughs> yeah. remembers. I kind of um, like the sensei at the start of the tutorial. He's got his like his dojo belt and his you know his, his dressing gown type thing. I don't know what they call it in Karate yeah. Land. Maybe it's dressing gown. Maybe it's not. It's, it's there. You go. Thank you very game, much. Karate yeah. <laughs> Land. Probably not dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a cartoon in my head. Uh, but yeah, I like him. Uh, but I also like uh, Tanner Man. He, he's got some style and some grace. Yeah. 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 I, I love the interactions with Tunnel Man when you'd finally get like two ropes or whatever it was to him and then you'd get to him next time and he'd ask for something you think I can't get that and keep hold of it myself let alone keep it to give to you yeah. it just seems so it's yeah. it's like he's just putting this uh, this finish line about you know 20 paces past where you know you're just going to fall down dead and and yet it gives you this really nice um, little sort of just goal to reach. It's it, yeah. in a game where you're not sure where the goal is necessarily, other than just get to the end of this level, see the next. It gives you something that you can aim for and is achievable, even though it maybe seems like it isn't very early on. Um, so, but, and then of course you open up the tunnels and think, okay, right, I'll just start from from you know, yeah. start from the the tunnel and start there, and then you actually start to realize, okay, that allows me to get to understand this new area. It gets me mm. to understand what the jungle is or the caverns are, and I can get to learn how to navigate and deal with the enemies. But then, if I actually want a good run, I need to be starting yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. That. absolutely. It's for I, practice. I think actually, Darren, you said that to me. It's for practice. Use it for practice. Oh, it's not for your quote unquote yeah. real runs. You know. Yeah. I one thing I found really funny about the Tunnel Man is how increasingly ridiculous his demands are. When you consider, <laughs> when you consider he's asking for these items so he can dig a tunnel, like he starts out like asking for bombs, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I can I can see how he could use those to dig a tunnel. But then when he asks for a shotgun, yeah. I'm just like, what what are you doing that thing? Yeah. <laughs> like you're just firing at a wall until it. You're half expecting to be in the black market selling that and get those goods on. He's like, yeah, I got the key now, fifty grand. Yeah, that'd be nice. But yeah, yeah, the tunnel man is cool. But yeah, like, um, I, you yeah. know, I like I discovered most of this game out. I don't want to show off, but like by myself. And the, the one thing I took away from all this game was don't use the shortcuts unless you want to practice and my, my, yeah, my downfall yeah. every time even today is is the jungle and I, I can't really explain why I mean maybe because sometimes it throws a wasp's nest in there and it catches you off guard or sometimes yeah. it's the man eaters I can't really put my finger on why I'm rubbish at the jungle but I am but the yeah. shortcut from Tunnel Man was essential for me to even think about clearing the jungle and so many times I've, I've thrown the pad on the beanbag I was so angry but yeah um <laughs> Even even that, it gets me. I think with the jungle, um, w what always trips me up is, and World One has this as well. Uh, uh, level modifications. Uh, World One has uh, variations where it has like snake pits and spiders mm. everywhere. But most of those modifications in World One aren't really that big a deal. It's still the same enemies, uh, just more of certain kinds of enemies. And um, the darkened levels, while a bit of a pain when it comes to like the spiders and uh, the bats, um, it just wasn't as problematic to deal with as the jungle, <laughs> which has enemies that seem custom built to exploit darkened levels. Um, just th those frogs, I hate them. I hate them <laughs> even now. I j it's just 
it's their speed yeah. and they always <clears throat> jump a little bit higher than you think <laughs> they can but and i think it's larger because you've just been playing uh, four levels with the spiders who've got a similar arc but not as big and not not as far reaching so you kind of get used to that and then you hear this boom and you're like whoa what's that noise and then you see this weird looking blue or orange frog and i was playing co-op yeah. with my brother over christmas um he, he, he hasn't really got past the mind so when he saw the jungle he was like what's going on <laughs> and i tried to explain to him <laughs> the difference between a blue a blue frog and an orange frog why does the orange one explode i, I, I can't explain that to you james <laughs> I, I don't know that they, they just do well, listen out for the well, it explodes because it's orange and we associate orange with fire i mean i know that's not a reason but that's literally why they explode because yeah. red barrels explode you know that's why <laughs> you just see it there just what there's no better the explanation it, it makes a wobbly noise and it explodes and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah the the jungle is just full of and not all the time. The jungle's not always full of the same enemies, but they are full of annoying enemies of different types. So some guys with a boomerang and some guys that will do other things. Yeah, it's, it is a massive hurdle it, for me. It, it does yeah. seem like... Um, I mean, the temple probably rivals it, but the enemies are what are hostile about the jungle, whereas yeah, yeah. a lot of the other... Like, and especially when you throw in tiki traps, because if you've got a shotgun, those things are just such a pain. Because you'll have an enemy coming at you, you'll panic, fire the shotgun, str- fire, and it just throws you straight back into the tiki trap that you've so yeah. carefully avoided. Mm. Um, I, I do, but then on the other hand, I like the tiki traps because you can lure the frogs into them pretty easily. Yeah, um, yeah. And especially if it's an exploding frog, you can kind of just jump out the way of the explosion, and it might, you know, open up a way down to the bottom. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it just seems like the enemies seem somehow more of a problem in in the jungle oh absolutely. there's often more yeah. of them around you as well I, I i think this apart from the temple this is the hardest area for me um I, the ice caverns yeah. I, oddly i by the time i get to them i have enough items where they're not really that big of mm. an issue for me whereas it's an, as, as an ge- environmental challenge it's yeah, just don't yeah. fall off the bottom basically yeah, absolutely, your problem yeah. in the ice caverns yeah. whereas with the jungle you've already mentioned the enemies James but yeah. like the variations of the levels the special level modifications you can get the bees yeah, was, the bees are horrible I've been waiting to talk They're about just, them man I, the second I see them I I, I just turn it off and I, I I start a new run. I'm like I'm not gonna get through there. I'm totally not gonna get through there. Oh, but there's so much stuff you can get from the from the bees if you if you're um you know yeah. kill the queen on the ball. You know drop the nectar, get the queen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and yeah, there's loads to get. But you you almost need to kind of trap them on their way out of the nest and see if you can just kind of like get them one at a time to sort of just start flying around the corner and then you can just hop on their head and back off. Um, the, the the bees yeah. are where I I suffer from my ego the most because the the te- the reward the reward yeah, yeah. for conquering the bees is so great, but the bees themselves are so <laughs> awful and terrible and and it's so easy to get surrounded by them mm. and and because yeah. they don't have like a lot of a lot of the enemies in Spelunky have like set attack patterns and and uh, movement patterns the bees feel the most erratic out of yeah, all of the enemies yeah. um um i i it, there are ways to combat them uh, more easily if you have the the spring boots and the spike boots i find yeah, the yeah. bees a lot easier to deal with um but yeah like that th- that's an enemy that whenever they show up uh, i either foolishly go straight into their their hive and try and try and get as much health as possible and then ultimately that's pointless cuz i die anyway <laughs> um or just run as fast as i can because those things are so hard to deal mm. with 
But also another variation in the jungle is the piranha, uh, where like the 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 bottom section just becomes a lake mm. almost filled with piranhas, and there's this one giant one who actually rarely kills me because the the little ones yeah. have already done yeah. the, the <laughs> yeah. damage. I think he's just there to scare you yeah. more than anything. Uh, the thing but... that gets gets me about that is there's stuff down the bottom of that water, but I'm never going in there. Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is that just there to mock you, or I don't know? I don't know. But when I first saw that, <clears throat> it's like when you enter the level, it's like I hear rushing water, and you think, okay, it's a jungle, it's going to be a waterfall. Nope, there's a massive lake underneath you, and I died. I, I fell in there, and that, that big piranha comes along. I'm like, and you get a few seconds to see yourself dying, and then you get like a little replay screen mm. in the corner or whatever. But death when I saw it, I said death coming, and I was like. There's an unlockable character down there. There's a coffin that's shaking. I was like, "Well, how? What?" I, and even today, like, I haven't bothered googling it because I want to. I want to find it out myself. Just naturally find out how to get down there. Is there a way? I don't know. And it's one of those things that every time I see it, even today, I found it today, and I, I, I died. And the big piranha come over. I was already dead, so he had nothing to do. But I, I just don't get it. Like, how can I play over a hundred hours of this game and still not know everything about it? It's um, it's a mystery. Yeah. 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 Uh, we we failed to mention the ghost up until this point, which I'm surprised uh, at. He he was a bit of a shock for me um, because <laughs> I I assumed foolishly that I could take him out like any other enemy the first time I encountered him. And <laughs> oh, I, your face, Josh, must yeah, have been absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I wasn't quite sure what triggered him. I because for, yeah. for quite a while, I I thought he was just a random occurrence before mm. I realised that the the game had like a timer mm. that you can't see but is constantly going on in the background, uh, trying to push you forwards. But yeah, um, that is a terrifying enemy to see <laughs> coming at you. Uh, and yeah, what, what what was your fir- what was your first encounters with the ghost like, you guys? Yeah, it was, it was, mine was a lot similar to yours. I, was, I I I ran right up to him. I was like, oh, I'll just whip him. It makes sense. Whip a ghost, <laughs> they'll definitely die. Yeah. Uh, but it totally, obviously, didn't work. And um, hmm. but I, what I really like about him is that it every you so you encounter him the first time, and so you know that he has a chance of showing up after that. But you don't know, like you said, you don't know what triggers him. And then after a while, you kind of figure out, okay, he's on a timer. And so then from there on, whenever you play through the mines, you know in the back of your head, all right, I have a limited amount of time. I don't know how much time that is, but I have a limited amount of time to get through everywhere and get as much as I want before he shows up. And that like that small sense of pressure on top mm-hmm. of all the other pressure that the rest of the game gives you, I just I love that about that ghost character. Mm-hmm. It's the way the music yeah. goes all wobbly alongside with the visual of the ghost sort of dancing at me as he's moving yeah, yeah. All, through, yeah. all the walls. I didn't even realise you could uh, ghost mine uh, you know, the, the the gems inside the walls until yeah. I saw someone else yeah, do it on definitely. a stream and I was like that's how they're getting millions yeah. of dollars on a daily challenge because yeah. they're manipulating this ghost through the gems to make them white. Again, it's, it's risk reward, absolutely, definitely. yeah. If, if, you're, if you're willing to take the ghost on a tour and, and be agile mm-hmm. enough which basically comes down to what sort of level you're in as to whether or not you're able to sort of lure him in one direction and jump mm-hmm. around. Um, yeah, my first reaction when I saw the ghost was, I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> I don't know why it did its job. I was just, yeah, no, I'm getting out of here. Um, and obviously a, a couple of times I wasn't able to get away. But I'm sure I had a timer on screen when I was playing, so I pretty quickly worked out what my time limit mm. was. I, I, unless I'm misremembering that, you can tweak what is on the screen. Yeah. Um, there's the kind of um, do they term it like pro yeah the pro hut yeah. and something yeah. like that yeah yeah 
Um, but yeah, I had the timer up, and I'd always kind of, I'd subconsciously got to the point where I trained myself to just clock what time it was when I went into mm-hmm. the level, so I knew, and and I just got to the point where you know, minute and forty seconds, yeah, I'll just start getting towards the exit yeah, yeah. now. Thanks. You can also trigger in um, by yeah, just... picking up the skull head in oh, the right, jungle yeah. level. Uh, it's usually in like a graveyard looking area and it's kind of like the, it's the vampire themed environment. It's the restless dead it, one. Yeah, yeah the yeah. zombies and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's also where you can get into the haunted castle, I think, which I've only ever seen twice and died immediately, much like all the other secret levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> secret yeah. level dead. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Well, one one of my favourite things about the the uh, cemetery uh, cemetery area was uh, there's there's a gravestone that says yeah. ash on it. Yeah. And if you place <laughs> a bomb there, you'll get a shotgun. It's just such great, a nice touch. Yeah. Nice touch, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another place you can access in the jungle area is the black market. If you've managed to get that all-seeing eye item, which what is it called Wajit again? Ujatai. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, it will start blinking and making a quite obvious noise as you get closer and closer to the entrance of the uh, black market, and you have to use a bomb to reveal mm. it. Um, now, uh, I the first time I encountered the black market, I was quite civil. You know, I I paid <laughs> I paid these guys. I, I I you know got all the items I could and went on my jolly way. Increasingly, though, <laughs> uh, as you as you play the game, you realise if I want to be super successful, I've got to kill everyone in this room, <laughs> just all of them, um, and often. Because I'm I'm so tempted by the the items, a lot of my playthroughs end here, uh, because some 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 uh, shopkeeper will catch me with his shotgun or knock me off and just bash me to oblivion. Um, uh, what are your? Do you guys just kill everyone here and grab every item, or or are you a more pleasant human being? No, I, I definitely try and take everyone out. I, I wasn't always this way. I found out via a, a, a Twitch streamer called Bananasaurus Rex. I think his name was. He, he basically laid out the best way to take out the black market, and again, it kind of it kind of feels like cheating, but also a community-fed like instruction. You know, dig a hole with bombs, and then you know, uh, annoy a shopkeeper one way, and they all huh. sort of fun they all sort of funnel down into a corner, and then you you take a shotgun from one of the dead ones because they're shooting so there's so many of them that they're shooting each other and they're going crazy. Yeah, so you kind of pick yeah. up one of their shotguns and then you use that against them. And this is where I also found out about the diagonal throwing of the bombs. You can, when you jump or when you're on a rope or something, you can mm. throw a bomb 45 degree angle down. And like, like the more I learned about the black markets, you know, um, insidious, you know, ways that the, that people were doing mm. the game, that's where the game sort of started growing for me and expanding in terms of what you can actually do. Um, <clears throat> and I do think it is a real like kind of turning point for me getting back into the game again because I you know I think I finished it at Olmec and I was like okay that's the 360 version done and then it came out on PC and I was like I'm going to do it again and then, <laughs> you know through the PC version I then learned about all these little tricks and stuff but the black market for me has got to be the most recent like not discovery but the most recent experience like I've only recently learned how to deal with the black market and I can do yeah. it every every time now I'm, I'm fairly confident in there but you know, one in ten, you'll get caught off guard. You're like, I'm oh, just walking along and nick all these bombs. Oh, I'm dead. And, you know, <laughs> there's a rogue shopkeeper in the corner that shouldn't be there. But, yeah, what you do, you basically you throw a rope right in front of a shop door and you throw a bomb into the shop. So he comes running out of his shotgun and it just causes this, this, this manic chaos. But then, in doing so, you can hoover up all the items in the black market. Well, all that you can gamble with, you know. 
and then hopefully yeah. there's bombs galore so you can bomb your way down to the exit whilst picking up the ank for the resurrection in the ice caves. Right, I'm curious, James and Sean, I know mm. Darren definitely has, but you two, mm. have you uh, have you encountered the worm in the jungle area? Mm. Yeah. I forget. I, yeah. I think I had to look up how to do it. I, I And at this point, I don't even remember. You have to, you have to bomb it, right? Is that how you do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey? Um... The worm. The worm. Do you know how I found out about the worm? (laughs) But there's like a little sweaty pink thing in the jungle that dangles out of a wall. And you can jump into it and you can sort of get stuck in it and you sort of wobble around a bit. And I was like, what is this? I don't really get it. But one time I had Mm -hmm. the uh, damsel in my hand and I fell onto the the sweaty glob thing with the damsel and left the damsel behind. And I thought, oh, I can't get back up there because, because it's too high. I haven't got any ropes. And then I heard this rumbling and the worm came out and ate the damsel and took her away. Oh, I'm on, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I paused the game. I remember this so vividly. I was like, what the flipping hell did I just see? And it was that kind of, that, that, that discovery that no one told me about. And it was, it was, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it was so exciting seeing that. Just a worm just pop out the wall and nick the damsel that I'd worked so yeah. hard for. Oh, I was like, okay, so that's how you get to where? And then I, I jumped on the, the glob thing, the little t- tonsil with the damsel in my hand and it eats you and pulls you inside. So is there another way of getting in there? Cause I'm confused. I, I, I remember getting in there with a bomb, oh. like using the bomb to get, I, I'm pretty sure Sean's right. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure I've done a similar thing. Yeah. I, I, it must be both ways. Cause I, I seem to remember a bomb, but yeah. Hey, but yeah, the first time I went through there um, on the Vita version, it, the frame rate kind of struggles uh, in the worm inside so I, I i don't i haven't really tried to go back because it's it, you know so much of the game is based on precision and when mm. you can't yeah. when you can't make those jumps the way that you like you you try to do that jump in the way you know how to do it and you know frame rate gets in your way it kind of struggles so mm. i i've never managed to get past the worm no. levels are just it they're just impossibly hard for and me they're really um, long as well I, I made my way quite a distance through one time and it just carried on and carried on and there were like bile <laughs> things yeah. and the acid and you know spikes yeah. and all sorts of weird horrible stuff that i've only ever seen a few times because i'm rubbish yeah no I, I went in there once i think i'd i had a slightly um similar version of events to darren where um, at first, I just thought, oh, okay, sticky pad, right? Just jump out of it, and enemies yeah. might get stuck in there, etc. Right, that's fine. And yeah, one time I can't remember if it was a damsel or an enemy that it just swallowed, and I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> but yeah, then then I thought, right, okay, let's hop up there and see myself, and went went through there once, and I was like, yeah, that'll do me. <laughs> I'll stick to the the regular game if, yeah. if I ever happen to be good enough at it that I want to go in there or find there's reason to, yeah, maybe. But no, it's. It never ended up going back in there at all. It, it just didn't seem like it was worth worth the effort, uh, unlike some other areas. Like, the City of Gold, that clearly has a Black huge Market benefit. Black City of Gold, yeah, yeah. There's obvious payoffs for going in there, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the worm, it, it, it always felt like... This is this is really just for people who want to challenge themselves as much as they possibly can. Um it, it is a great, great little secret. Like, and especially if you discover it by accident, that's a fantastic little reveal. But yeah, never again for me. <laughs> um, so, from the jungle, we move on to the ice caverns, which, which I've already mentioned. I actually 
find to be considerably easier mm. than the jungle, especially if you have if you have the jetpack and the shotgun. Oh, yeah. That combo, yeah, yeah, the ice yeah. caverns are just a breeze to go yeah, through. Yeah. Um, just because a lot of the enemies, like although they can do a lot of damage to you if you let them. They're pretty easy to avoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UFOs kind of are the trickiest, yeah. and even them, they're they're easy to predict. And if yeah, you can get above them, attention, you can avoid yeah. them. Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. Uh, and the uh, the uh, the mammoths with their <laughs> their ice ability. I I found if I had spike boots, yeah. and I often yeah. did by this point, yeah. that they were pretty easy mm. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, just it. It was nice to have a bit of a breather <laughs> yeah. after the stress that was the jungle. Yeah, they're, they're so open, and I really, I really die in there. And um, I think that's yeah. just because they are, you know, they're less complicated in terms of level design. Uh, but you know, yeah. sometimes a yeti will throw you off, and because of the, the, all of the levels are bottomless pits, you can die yeah. quite easily. But the chances of that yeah. happen are quite yeah. slim. Um, th- this yeah. is the place where you know you you need to die on purpose to resurrect yourself with the unk from the black market and then you are yeah. you have to see like a little kind of i forgot what they're called the the statue the the maui statue is it and you, you see the one of the you see the head of that so you yeah. purposely kill yourself to then get resurrected inside the statue head to um get the the thing that headjets uh, yeah the headdress that's it, yeah god headjet i think it's called it's, yeah. it's such a mind bend <laughs> yeah. but yeah um, i've never managed to get into the city of gold myself but um i know how to do it i just can't well, I, I've the, done it once, but um, yeah, never again. Yeah, I think the difficulty is obviously um, again when you get to the temple Anubis. It's just like, shall I just run? Yeah, I'm just going to run. <laughs> yeah. no, you, you don't. Like, you can face him, and then obviously you can get to second Anubis, etc. If you happen to be going for that, but it's rare where I think you know what I've got. Sticky bombs are, are the easy thing to to go after Anubis with, but you have to be really sure of the environment you're tackling. Mm. Um, that enemy in because obviously you know in, in terms of other enemies and in terms of the the difficulty of that particular uh, enemy itself um, it's just such a high risk to try and engage Anubis as opposed to just running um, as yeah. far as the ice caverns go actually first time I got into the ice caverns I got all the way to within sight of the exit from the final um, level of the ice caverns and before I died so uh, that, I think that just goes to show that by that point, even though I wasn't by any shakes good at this game, um, you, you generally have enough items to be able to, even yeah. on first visit, just kind of sort of blunder your way through fairly yeah. straightforwardly. But the temples are completely other kettle of fish, I found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ice uh, caverns, easy temples, not so much. But before we move on to the yeah, uh, sure. the temple, um, th- there are a few special uh, things that you can access <laughs> in the ice caverns. For example, the mothership, uh, which personally uh, I've never never managed to get, but uh, yeah. I'm curious to see if anyone else has managed to uh, see the mothership. Um, oh, I've, I've yeah. seen it a few times, but I, I it's a, I've, I've never been able to finish it. Every time I see it, I actually try to get in there, but. Uh... Man, there's just there's so many uh, things coming at you, especially through walls, like a lot of um, mm-hmm. beams and, laser and beams. alien laser beams. Yeah, that can come through, and there's there's just so many ways to die. <laughs> I've yeah. never made it through. Yeah. yeah, it is a bit of an onslaught as soon as you get in there. I've made it in there yeah. a couple of times, <clears throat> but sometimes I see like 
uh, an octopus-looking guy firing mm-hmm. laser yep. beams at me. Yeah. But sometimes it's also in a corner going upwards. There's like a horizontal or vertical version. Mm-hmm. There's a horizontal, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I always find um, it easier. Horizontal ones, I think. To get yeah, to the vertical yeah. one, I always find that way easier. But um, I've yeah, never managed yeah, to kill the green octopus-looking dude. And is there anything that he gives you, or is he just a way into the mothership? Because I don't know. I'm not sure. Hmm. So yeah, again, like another <laughs> no. example of just like, you know, we've all played this game so much that we're just like what's yeah, this yeah. Oh, i don't know we've all seen the tentacle yeah, green I, alien yeah. but yeah yeah no, no one's I, actually... I i feel like yeah the, there is a lot of this game that i do know but there, there's still so much that i don't know mm. and I, I i i do feel like that's a reason why i keep returning to it to mm. you know discover all these secrets that i haven't discovered yet um yeah and the the, the mothership uh at the for for the moment, kind of remains a bit of a, an elusive element of the game for me. Um, but right, let's let's move on to the temple, which for me is just the worst. Um, <laughs> the worst. I, I every enemy, every trap, every thing in the temple is designed to test your nerves to the absolute <laughs> limit. Um, uh, James already mentioned Anubis, which uh, is an enemy that is uh, good luck with that guy. Uh, just, yeah, yeah, relentless. Um, just a, yeah, he can kill you so quickly. Um, he fires these like purple energy beams at you, mm. and and he takes so long to kill, and all of that. But he's he's not even the worst thing. <laughs> like. In any other game, he would be the most, the hardest thing to deal with. But there, there are these enemies that teleport and in, instantly kill yeah. you in the temple. <laughs> um, there's the 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 blocks that just crush you against the wall if you're not careful. Yeah, and, and those, and the, yeah, like the mines we were talking about. If you're not paying attention for the spiders, you've got to actually stop, look at those yep. blocks, and think, right, which way is it going to move? Yeah. It's just moved. I've got time. You know, it's just yeah. yeah. And the mummies as well. I, the first time I got into the temple, I was like, I can't hurt anything in this place. What <laughs> yeah. is going on? Because suddenly it just feels like you're doing no damage to anything yeah. at all. You know, and shotgun, okay, it helps, but it's not going to be, uh, you know, an easy passage even with a shotgun. Yeah, the yeah. temple for me is, crazy. is just like, how fast can I run away from these fools? Because they <laughs> yeah. just run yeah, to the they, they will destroy point, me. Yeah. And by yeah. this point, I've usually got about, you know, a good amount of bombs. So I can sort of chip away through the environment. Hopefully, I've got a compass to tell me where the door is, and I can like you know li- literally yeah, exactly. you know, spelunk my way to the bottom. Because I think this is like the most in the game that I'm actually digging through the environment to get to the bottom as fast as I can, like a you know like a miner yeah. would. Um, but yeah, it, it's so intense. And if you ever if you ever manage to pick up the wand that that Anubis has, <laughs> it, oh, it's so crazy. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it can easily go wrong just as much as it can go right for you. And those purple no, true, yeah, things will come launching back at you. They come after you, <laughs> yeah, if, if, yeah. If there's nothing there's else no to go after you. Yeah, yeah. it will come back after you. And it's just a... <laughs> yeah, it's... But again, I don't find it as hard as a jungle. And I don't know why. Um, I think because I'm, I'm such I, a chicken I, in the temple that I just need to get out of there straight away. Whereas the jungle, I kind of dice with, you yeah, know, I dance yeah. around a little bit. I try and get a bit cocky. I, I think that the jungle, it's it's mainly because you're so under-equipped in terms of the mm, items yeah. you have. You might have a couple of things, like the throwing glove or the climbing gloves or something like that, but you, you, I, I, not many players will have the shotgun or the jetpack or the cape or useful items, you know, really useful items like that at that point, whereas with the temple, you definitely do. But 
to be honest with you, Darren, like still, even with all of those items, mm. the temple is just a huge wall for me. Um, and I, I think the ice caverns being as easy as they are don't really help yeah. because I let my <laughs> yeah, guard definitely. down. I go into the temple and my guard is down and yeah. I will just make stupid mistakes instantly. And, you know, on... You're, you know the temple is hard. You know it's coming up. But for some reason, all of that, like, you know, checking corners, making sure everything is safe that you were doing in the jungle, just, I, you know, goes out the window Window once you get to the temple and you, you're making the same stupid mistakes you were making in the mines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I agree, Josh. I think the thing that gets me is as good as I got very quickly at doing exactly what you said, Darren, which is just GTFO as quickly as possible, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I got down, like, all the enemies. I knew how to sort of dodge, dip, duck, dive, and dodge my way around them. And then I just land in lava or just be slightly too <laughs> yeah. close and it just spit out one of the little lava men. I was yep. just like, oh, come on. Yeah. I'm better than this. And, of course, <laughs> I'm not better than this because I keep doing it, but it feels like you should be. And it also um, brings yeah, in old old traps that you've forgotten about like the arrow traps back in there <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm swear the tiki traps are, but you know the spiky traps are back in there mm-hmm. as well so it yeah. kind of throws in back the old elements as well as just a bunch of old you know a bunch of crazy new mentals to come and kill you yeah um i'm kind of glad that it is a free level affair because the fourth level of the temple is a, is a is the you know the boss fight and so it doesn't feel as long as the yeah. jungle for me yeah um <clears throat> yeah you know which is kind of a nice um a breather i guess but then you know you, you, you then got to fight a giant golden head. Yeah, I've I've never got comfortable to the point of kind of getting stuff out of the temple. It's just yeah, find my way through and quickly just leave. I never feel like I'm actually there to get gold or bombs or whatever it might be. You know, I'm no. just not even thinking about it. There is a way to exploit the mummy in the temple to get more health. Um, mm. There are these the there are these altars that are peppered throughout the game where you can sacrifice uh, damsels or other mm. enemies, and uh, you'll get random items and stuff. But if you uh, if you sacri- uh, sacrifice enough people, it's sixteen points of favor, mm-hmm. I believe, um, and uh, living damsels are worth. I, I forget how I think much they like were. Oh, they're, they're, and, and then yeah, it's f- it's four points. Yeah, and dead, dead enemies, enemies are, are worth point or whatever. Yeah, it's almost yeah. nothing. For it. Yeah. yeah, but if you get sixteen points of favor, you will get the Kapala Chalice, mm-hmm. um, which if uh, you collect blood from enemies, uh, you can restore a heart of health. And the mummies, uh, you can actually... Them vomiting will actually restore <laughs> your health. Um, so if if you... And I've never managed to do this myself. I've only seen YouTube footage of it. But every time the, uh, the uh, mummies vomit flies towards you, you can actually collect uh, some of that to uh, increase your health, which is really worth doing uh, in this, this point in the game because the temple area, more than anywhere else, is going to you know, start taking away your hearts. Not that it will really matter by the time you get to Olmec, <laughs> uh, who will kill you instantly. But um, yeah, uh, if anyone's not not familiar with that tactic and wants to try it out, yeah, there you go. Uh, get the chalice. 
uh, go go say hello to a mummy. Let's let's talk about Olmec, um, who is who who shouldn't be that hard of a boss to deal with because his patterns are pretty simple. Like he just, all he does is he slams towards you mm-hmm. and continues to slam and, and he'll, he, it's an instant kill, but that's all he does. He just jumps towards you and tries to smush you. That's all he is. But like, for the longest time, every time I got to him, I just like, despite going in with a strategy, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I yeah. know how to deal with him. It'll be easy. Yeah. Just die every time. Mm. I, I just I don't know what it is. I I don't know if it's because the temple was so hard that you you're you're just taking risk because you just desperately want the game to be over, so you're panicking <laughs> more and or what have you, but. I I I like to think that if in isolation I tackled Olmec on his own and didn't have to worry about the lead mm. up to him, I could take him out easily. But it 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 never happens for me. Um, I I do have a tactic which unfortunately isn't a good tactic to have because it involves me having certain items. But my my tactic tends to be to have the climbing gloves and cling to the side of him. And when you're on the side of him. He he, kind of thinks that you're below yeah. him, and so he'll start slamming down. Now, of course, you'll have to kind of move about a bit because he'll move to the side sometimes, and you'll get smushed against a wall <laughs> or or something like that. But that tends to be the most effective strategy for me. I don't I don't know if you guys have a preferred way of tackling Olmec. Nope, I I beat him as I said earlier. I beat him once, and then I was done. Yeah. I was like, never doing this again. So Uh, hard. I think because it plays a a track that you've never really heard before and it's really upbeat and it's really fast, you know, it's really like, kind of like GoldenEye 64 when you've triggered a timer and it goes really fast, like, you're like, well, I've never heard this track before. So it sets you on nerves. And it's just a giant golden head that will, you know, bob left to right you know, in a very kind of like again, like, like like the frog and the spider arc of a jump. It's very kind of very simple, but it will get you. And I, I can't really work it out. But my method is, if I've got enough ropes, rope up to the top because there's usually more goodies up there. Yeah. And just and just bomb the hell out of the floor, and just hopefully he will just land in the lava underneath. Um. But even today, like I was so confident, um, too confident, <laughs> and I think that's why I died uh, many, many times against Olmec. You get too confident, and then I fell too, one, maybe one notch too far. I stumbled on the floor, and he squashed me. And I was just, mm. I every time I die by him, it is so devastating because you know you've got to go yeah. through sixteen levels, well, fifteen levels of just pure torment again to get there. Ah, <laughs> oh, but yeah, the, the fact that I've, I've beaten him a few times, uh, but the fact that he can. You can get the heart racing more than many boss fights. Is is you know is is bizarre because it's not a hard boss fight, but he is like something like Dark Souls when you see that giant wolf leaping towards you. That's that's that looks scary. That looks intimidating and, mm-hmm. and you know overwhelming <laughs> because it is. But this is just a golden head with a massive cartoon face <laughs> on it, and it's just like, yeah. what is this? This is nothing. But he will he will get you just as yeah. much as you know that giant wolf will. Sif, I think it's called. I think I think that's it. Like like you, Josh. It it seemed so straightforward. Not that it was easy, but it seemed very straightforward what you needed to do. And yep, yeah, I had tactics, and I went in, and I 
every single time, after like the first couple of times where it was just kind of getting to know what to do, I had my tactics, I had my strategy, and I would get to within a couple of rows of, of him breaking through to the mm. lava, and I'd just screw up. Because in theory, my strategy was basically just very slowly, very patiently, open up more and more of the floor. So keep a fairly wide section of opening up. And you can get to the point where what you do is you hug the wall where he's opened up. Like I, I always chose the left wall, because why not? Um, you hug the wall, and when he launches, when he's going to launch up in the air, you sort of move to just push him slightly away from the wall, and then you run back to the wall, and he can just come down and slam down right next to you, but he misses you. But for some reason, I'd always manage to screw up right at the end, and I'd mm-hmm. just not be out of the way far <laughs> enough when he'd get me. Um but yeah, the tactic did work. So the the strategy worked in the end. It was the right strategy. It's just there was something about it that made it not quite as simple as it should have been. Um, and it's I think the other thing is that um, you're sort of caught thinking you like you're focusing so much on him. You don't think about the extra little enemies that he's spawning mm-hmm. out every now and then. Yeah. And inevitably, the one time that everything's going perfectly to plan a battle just fly down there and get you and you're just like oh come on yeah because the battle hit into you and knock you just enough that he then you know one shots you and it's just it is it gets to the point where it's very frustrating and the number of times where i was like right that's it i'm not playing this game again and then inevitably like half an mm-hmm. hour later or the next day i'd be like okay fine yep. let's do this you know it is it, because it seems so straightforward it just kept me going back more and more and more but uh, like Sean, as soon as I beat Olmec, I was like, yeah, that's my limit on this game. I'm not able to. Like, I, know, I know I could. I know I could get better. I know there's other stuff to find that doesn't require me going through the most difficult sections of the game. But yeah, it's uh, it's a bit like Super Meat Boy. As soon as I beat that, that sort of um, main storyline, um, I was just like, yeah, I've seen some of the Dark World levels and no, I'm not able to do this. And it was the same with Spelunky. I know the City of Gold's there, I know the Black Market's there, I know Yama is there, and there's other endings to, to try and find, but I was just like, no, you know what? I can count this game as finished, and I've I've kind of reached my limit. Yeah. Um, and Olmec just did that to me. You know, it took, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't even know how many times, 20 times of me trying to beat him before I did, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so same as you, James. Like, I... I, I kind of took the same kind of Super Meat Boy approach, in fact, where I completed the main game, took a quick glimpse at the dark levels and was like, no, nah, okay, <laughs> I'm I'm done. And yeah, this, the same with Spelunky. I, I just, I'm not even going anywhere near hell, which I, I'm hoping Des will go into some detail about in you a minute. you got high hopes, my friend. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I, I, for me uh, and for most people, it seems this this is where our spelunky journeys tend to end yeah. with Olmec. Yeah. But that's not really the end of the game. Um, there is a whole other section called Hell uh, and another boss that uh, players can uh, take on if they really want to, which I've never encountered, which I've already said, but I believe Des has attempted... <laughs> I've tried to get to hell, and you know, I've gotten so far as to open in the no, no, get into the golden door in the temple. But you know, yeah. it it kind of makes Spelunky less of a. It kind of makes it more strict. You know, a, a stricter experience. You need to do these things in order to get to this thing. Uh, that, that, that's fine, but that's not the way I kind of play Spelunky. Mm. Like, I, I kind of yeah. free 
flow my way to the end and hopefully I'm good enough to beat Olmec. Um, whereas <clears throat> to get to hell, you need to do all the things we listed earlier, like the black market, which means the wadget eye, which yeah. means you need to get the ank. And then by the time I've seen hell in streams, don't get me wrong, I've seen I've seen it done. Oh right, but okay. I've, ne- I've never Sorry. I've never been there myself because the hoops you need to go through, yeah, are so outlandish, <laughs> you know. And even people who are really good at the game probably won't even get there every time because. You know the the, ran, the procedurally generated nature of the game means that you know you won't get it all yeah. the time and yeah um, it is but looking at it looking at it on video form it is it is like insane but I've got no experience myself of actually teetering into hell. Hmm. But but isn't that strange? We're sitting here four people. I I don't hold Dark Souls up as a very very difficult game because in terms of technical uh, dexterity and ability it it isn't. I'm I'm just adamant about that. It's difficult in other ways, but in terms of actual, you know, precision play, etc., it's not. Um, but yeah. Super Meat Boy, I've beaten Darren, Josh, you know, you have as well. Um, Shovel Knight, again, another game that's quite a difficult, and that's a platformer, so it's directly comparable in in the same way, in a way that Super Meat Boy kind of isn't comparable te- necessarily to Spelunky. And yet we're all sat here saying we know there's these aspects of this <laughs> game that we're just not mm. able to do, yeah. and yet. All of us are sitting here talking about fairly, what seems like fairly in-depth stuff. You know, a lexicon that to people who've never played the game probably sounds like gibberish, um, and and yet yeah. we we can probably, I certainly consider myself. I don't know about you guys, as barely competent to play Spelunky, frankly, compared <laughs> to some people that that you know I've heard talk about it on podcasts like Idle Thumbs or or you know Patrick Klepek on Giant Bomb, etc. People who've really sort of. Um, gone deep into this game and, mm. and got into daily challenges etc uh, to hear them talk about it it's just another level beyond uh, in terms of certainly my ability and, and, and even my understanding of it to be honest Yeah. so uh, some other stuff outside of just what's in the main game um, briefly let's talk about the multiplayer I find this game impossible to play with another person Um because it's so it's so easy and so tempting to grief your partner oh, yeah. in in Spelunky, whether it be by placing a bomb uh, right near them or what have you. And the, the game, if you do die, the game even summons you as a ghost, where you can just blow at your partner <laughs> and try and blow him off ledges and stuff yeah. like that. Um, it's it's fun. For a little bit, but like, there's no way you're going to complete the game with another player. It's like, it's um, like playing New Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario 3D World with other players. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's just chaos, and you, you'll end up yeah. just just nobbing around with each other more than you will playing a game. Like, you know, the temptation to yeah. pick someone up and throw them off in Super Mario Brothers, you know, on the Wii or Wii U, it's it's just too great, and you know, it kind of creates for a more chaotic uh, experience, which. Kind of fits with the Mario universe because it's like you know la 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 happy fun times. Whereas Spelunky's like you know hardcore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the consequences it, so, yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, but the um, the slightly multiplayer focused feature that got introduced uh, later on, it wasn't uh, there on release, uh, is the daily challenges. Uh, the daily challenges, uh, what they basically are is they give every player the same map uh, to deal with, the same set of levels to deal with, and uh, you 
you basically you compare and contrast uh, how far you got, how many points you got, how much mm. gold you had mm-hmm. uh, with your friends. This this for me has been one of the the best features of Spelunky. Um, now I I don't own the Vita version, but a lot of people tell me that the daily challenge stuff really comes into its own when you own that console because you can so easily just go oh I'm going to you know yeah. give the daily challenge a go and and compare with mm. my friends and see how they're doing and and after after completing Olmec um this this is kind of how I've spent most of my time playing uh Spelunky not to try and complete the game but just to compare with my mm. friends like how far they've gotten through levels how far and you know uh, but using Darren as like a, a measuring stick of how good I'm doing <laughs> at Spelunky because you are really good at it Darren. Um, and yeah I, I, I really I think this is one of the best features of the game yeah, it's where I actually learn how to be a better Spelunker I guess because the daily challenge means you can't use the tunnels so it forces you into mm. the whole 16 level run and yeah. but just by the virtue of that restriction you become better at the game because you're not getting complacent by missing the mines by missing the jungle like you're forced to do every single one ever ever again and when i when i iron manned the game for the first time you know it's up there with the, the one of the best game achievements i've i've done iron man yeah. being you know you finished the whole run to Olmec to without um yeah. yeah without shortcut yeah. Hmm. I, th- I think the thing about the daily challenges and, and what you were talking about, Josh, with with the Vita being a particularly popular place, it gives a structure to your playing of Spelunky because it's so easy. Uh, it, Sean, it sounds like you did what I did, which is get fixed into your mind, I need to finish this game mm-hmm. and just batter against it until you do. Yeah. But what mm-hmm. the daily challenge does is say, you know what, if all the Spelunky you want to play is one run every day, it could last 10 seconds. It literally could last 10 seconds <laughs> if you make a mistake or unlucky. Mm or not paying attention, or it, it could go, you know, an hour easily, you know, if, if you're actually doing everything, getting everything, trying to get as far, being, you know, slow and, and uh, deliberate about what you're doing, it could be an hour-long uh, event, but it means you just do that once every day, and the reason the Vita's good for that is because if you're on your commute, or it's your lunch break, or something mm. like that, that's a perfect time to do it, you don't have to think, yeah. you know, uh, a bit like the adage of going to the gym, if you go home from work first, don't even think about it. You're not. You're going to sit down, and that's it. You're done. Um, same thing. If you come home from from a day at work or work, whatever you happen to be doing that day, turning on the PS4 or PS3 to do this, or like Xbox 360 or whatever, to do this, that's a barrier. Whereas the Vita is something you've got on you. You can just pull out your pocket, start it up, daily challenge, and it, what it gives you is structure and uh, an easy way to progress because you can do that daily challenge every day and it will help you improve day by day, little by little in the way that learning anything should be done and not getting to the point like me where I wanted to snap my Vita in two uh, just to, just so that I couldn't <laughs> play Spelunky anymore. At a certain point, trying to get to Olmec and defeat him did that to me and, and it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. It's just it gets frustrating and you you do. You keep battering against it to the detriment of, of your actual ability to play it. Uh, but the daily challenge, I think, does the opposite of that it's little little bits little and often to get better at the game so uh the last of the multiplayer focused um uh, modes of the game is the deathmatch mode which i've only engaged with once um i don't know if anyone else has really played this yeah. but 
I didn't really have a lot of fun with no. this, if I'm totally honest. It it's kind of cool that it's in yeah. there, but like the the mechanics of the uh, the mechanics of the game are not designed for this kind of versus multiplayer. I don't it's, think it's in there. Uh, you know, and it doesn't ruin the experience at all of the main game of Spelunky. And it is in there, and we've had a, yeah. we've had some good times with it. But this last year, like a whole wealth of local multiplayer games has come out on Steam. You know, and and Wii U as well that, that we play. And it, you know, it, it just gets relegated to the bottom because it's it's not Star Wolf, it's not Gang Beast, it's not Samurai Gun, and it's not yeah. Towerfall. You know, it's not those games. And it's it's kind of like if you put two if you put Bomberman in a two D platformer environment and crank it up to a thousand in terms of speed because yeah. as soon as you spawn yeah. in everyone just presses the bomb button as fast as they can bombs go flying everywhere like they do in Spelunky and it's game over in five seconds you're like well yeah. okay yeah. okay next and it's it's fun for five ten minutes you know it's kind of a a, a palate cleanser I guess if you want to call it that yeah. I mean in all in yeah. all honesty didn't know this existed <laughs> I've got to say. I, I'm not sure it's just I played the Vita version and stuck to pretty strictly just single player but it strikes me that most of those games you mentioned Darren the sort of couch co-op uh, sort of games that have come back to the fore you know and they're talking like they have actually very not simple but very un- simply understandable uh, mechanics and often only one or two mechanics you know Towerfall very straightforward obviously mm-hmm. movement and that kind of thing and there's a lot of depth to those mechanics but everything about the way you play Spelunky is kind of all the mechanics are designed to be played yeah there's there's speed in the game absolutely and you can play it quickly but they're kind of designed to be a single player thing although the you know the um the the um the co-op can you know there's a lot of fun to be had there but it's not really designed for the chaos of, you know, four people all together to to be going on. It's, there's enough chaos just with one, frankly, uh, and fr- and there'd be enough chaos even without me playing it, just from the levels themselves, because they feel so dynamic anyway. So yeah, I can imagine that that it feels like a game made for that sort of dungeon crawling platforming, and yeah, it, I can only imagine how just bonkers it is to. To just have that that deathmatch scenario, it just doesn't yeah. seem to fit at all for me. If there's one thing to take away from the deathmatch is that you get to experience the items without the fear of dying. Like the the teleport, you can you can just use just because who cares in mighty deathmatch. Whereas the teleport yeah. in single player mode, you're like I don't want to touch that because I'll get fragged by a wall. You know I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to get telefragged by walls and stuff. Whereas you know in multiplayer, you just let loose of all the items, and I think you get to see the rare super gun, laser beam gun. I don't know if everyone's seen this, but it's a giant cannon and it fires a massive green pulse energy thing. You get it like in a one in a million yeah. chance in the single player, but mm-hmm. in multiplayer it comes around a lot more frequently. So you get to see okay. more of the hidden stuff. Yeah, um, that's you, true. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get to use it more yeah. recklessly, but that's probably the only positive to take away from it, really. Yeah. I, I also want to briefly mention one of the most hilarious things about this game, which is the eggplant run. <laughs> Um, for those of you who, and to be honest with you, like there probably is a great number of you who have never encountered this. Um, the eggplant run is where you take a mystery box, which is the boxes that are often filled with bombs and what have you, place it on a sacrificial altar, and then a eggplant will appear. Now, if you manage to transport this eggplant all the way through the game, um, through the temple, uh, defeat Olmec, get to hell, 
and then get to Yama, if you throw the eggplant at his face, it will transform him into a giant eggplant with one hit point, and then the entire fight is easy. <laughs> uh, so that boss fight just becomes a nothing fight. Um, of course, you know, you still have to transport that eggplant from, you know, the beginning of the game to here. Josh, so you just made this the, up? The... This sounds like a <laughs> dream you had. No, no, Honestly. no. This is... You, you can look this up. Uh, <laughs> there are plenty of YouTube videos. But it's it's so funny yeah. that this is even in the game. Um, and, and and just to make the final boss, the bo- you know, the, the proper final boss, just mm. a joke at the end yeah. of the game is is really funny. Of course, you know, it's so difficult to even get the eggplant yeah. all the way to the end. So it's still an incredibly hard challenge to to do, but such a hilarious reward if you <laughs> yeah. manage to do it. Um, oh, yeah. But, um, can, so can the eggplant Yama fight back? Because imagine if you did all of that <laughs> through the eggplant, one hit point, you went to try and take that one hit point and then died. That would just be so soul-destroying, surely. <laughs> I believe there's there's still a lot of hostile, you know, there's a lot of danger still in that yeah, room yeah. with Yama, yeah. but Yama himself kind of ceases, ceases to, to be, be a threat. A threat. Sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, um, I I did the gnome challenge in Half Life Two, and that's the first and last time I attempt to carry something with yeah. me all the way through a game. Yeah, so, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, Darren uh, very kindly brought my attention to some of the mods that the community have created for. Uh, Spelunky. One of the most amazing ones being this Metroid Super Metroid skin mm. that uh, um, that yeah just transforms the entire game into the set Super Metroid aesthetic, but with Spelunky's level design. Oh my god! Um, it's really amazing. Um, I believe Patrick Klepik uh, played through the game mm-hmm. for his mm-hmm. you know his Spelunky runs uh, in using this mod. Um, I have. Have you toyed around with this, Darren? Not at all? played it. I've not played with it. No, but um, it's always something I'm meaning to do. But every time I play Spelunky, I'm like, you're so immediately into Spelunky that I kind of forget mm. it exists. Um, yeah. yeah, like I've seen it in motion, and I've seen it. You know, like the way it handles the enemies and stuff. It's just brilliant. Like there's a there's a massive picture of Kraid behind the altar, and you know you sacrifice. Yeah, and then it kind of feels like a Metroid game because like. Like you sacrifice something on the altar and you then get an item like you would in Metroid. It kind of feels like it's a perfect fit. And um, yeah, yeah the, the you know the person or the people who made it are just yeah genius because like just the, the the music and the it's kind of more of a Metroid fusion maybe zero mission aesthetic. It kind of feels like more like the GBA games, but you know it kind of has that right. that um you know Zeebs Planet Zeebs um, vibe <laughs> about it, and it changes p- between each world. And yeah, you should uh, people should definitely check it out if they want to um. Yeah. Basically makes Spelunky look better, I guess, because you know what's better yeah. than Metroid. Yeah, I, I I know I said I probably wouldn't play Spelunky again, but after seeing this, I just now looking at it and uh, yeah, might have to buy that PC version after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, there are lots of other mods. I think the most common mods are just the characters. You can change the character to you know people like Mario and stuff. Yeah. I know somebody actually made Patrick yeah. Klepik <laughs> his own custom <laughs> character that looks exactly like him, which is really yeah. funny. But um, yeah, the the mod community around Spelunky is really really something to behold. And you know, round of applause. Uh, I think I can't find the name 
of the guy who um, who made the uh, Metroid mod, but that that is quite the accomplishment. I apologise for not mentioning your name, uh, Mister, but uh, or woman. I'm being sexist there. <laughs> whoever, whoever made it, um, yes, it, it's quite an accomplishment. Um, right, let's let's move on uh, to the community correspondence. Uh, we'll sum up our thoughts on Spelunky uh, later on. Tell us what Baron Phil thinks of uh, Spelunky. <clears throat> that I can. Baron Phil says, After hearing all the praise for Spelunky on 360, I picked it up straight away on its PS3 release, and I really didn't enjoy it. I just couldn't get into the game at all and didn't understand the fuss. About six months later, I started watching Spelunky with Scoops on Giant Bomb, where Patrick Kleppick would play the Daily Challenge, and after picking up some tips, I tried to get into the game again, this time on Vita. Going in with a little bit of knowledge really helped, and I found myself playing more and more and really enjoying it. Uh, really enjoying my time with it. It started to feel rewarding and dying became a lesson, not a frustration. The Vita also felt like the perfect place to play. And it's now a permanent fixture on my Vita and I always try to do at least one run a day. James. Uh, Xavier Desmond says, uh, I really shouldn't like Spelunky. As a rule, I prefer story-focused games rather than games that emphasise mechanics. I play games generally for an experience rather than a challenge. One of my personal hates in games is constantly dying. So why do I love Spelunky so much when there's no story, it's rock hard, and death is regular and heavily punished? I'm not entirely sure why, but for some reason I don't find Spelunky in any way frustrating, as many people do. Maybe it's because I prefer to play in small chunks of time rather than for hours on end. Spelunky is ideally suited to having one or two runs a day, then putting it aside. When you go into the game knowing you are going to die at some point and then be thrown back to the beginning, there's no pressure to progress during a gaming session. A Spelunky run, whether a few seconds or a few minutes, is like, is like a complete satisfying experience. I think that's why the daily challenge is so great. It's just one shot and that's it. That's some... Something a bit more negative now. Uh, Flabio, I'm kind of split on Spelunky. Let me explain. On the one hand, it's a very polished and entertaining platform adventure. Lots of secrets to find, bonus levels, and the procedural level generation means there's plenty of replay value to be had. On the other hand, it has a lot of very frustrating instant death mechanics, often feels very unfair, and has a skill barrier in it that means I'm unlikely to ever get close to completing it. I don't dislike it, but I don't play it anymore because I'm no good at it. I found Rogue Legacy more to my taste. It just feels fairer. Alright, Alex79UK says, I must admit I'm expecting to be a little in the minority here, but Splunky for me has always been a game that didn't really live up to my expectations. 
possibly unfair expectations. I had heard and read so much about it and been looking forward to it for so long that when I finally got to play it, I thought it was just a bit, well, boring. I had heard tales of weird, wonderful, and crazy adventures. You never know what you're going to get. Except you do have a fair idea, because other than the layout, you generally get the same old stuff every game. I never really found anything whilst traveling the admittedly great-looking worlds that surprised or amused me. I might sound like the grumpiest man ever, but I found it all rather tedious. It wasn't the repetition that put me off. I can put hours into other randomly generated games, hello, Binding of Isaac, and never get bored, or the difficulty. It was the... It was that I found the core gameplay quite boring. Don't get me wrong, I don't actively dislike the game. Indeed, it still lives on my Vita memory card, and it's played every couple of times. And it's played a couple of times every month, but it never quite struck the same chord with me as it has a, as it has others. I never really seemed to get that sense of exploration and wonder that appeared to be what drove people on to keep playing. Woodfella, finally, he says, I avoided Spelunky at first, having played the demo and disliked it. But I decided to give it another chance when everyone started uploading their daily challenges. And they were banging on about it a load on Name of Other Podcast Redacted. Now, I flipping love it. I've put well over 100 hours into it. And at university, I started every day. I had lectures with a daily challenge run. Which, depending on the result, could either make me late or put me in a horrid mood. <laughs> Recently, me and my brother have started playing it cooperatively and recording it. <clears throat> it erupts into hilarious mayhem at times and it is the most fun I've had in local multiplayer. Having two characters on screen can make this a little harder. Every move has to be planned out, and communication is key. I've been stunned into silence when a mammoth set off a mine, which launched a rock, which hit a UFO, which flew towards my <laughs> face, exploding on impact. <laughs> yep. My lifeless body was then tossed into the abyss by a playful yeti. My carcass doomed to fall forever, along with 250k's worth of gold. Oh. <laughs> yes, that's Spelunky. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't like the music, apart from wet fur levels. But a big, uh, but a bigger problem for me is what the game becomes when you are trying to get the highest score possible. Ghost running, as the kids call it. I find it to be quite tedious. It takes blooming ages. Bomb some gems out and then wait until the ghost drifts glacially over them. Rinse, snor- uh, rinse, repeat, snorfest. <clears throat> There's been so much said about Spelunky, so I won't waste your time further. I just love it and struggle to think of another game I now like that I initially was completely turned off by. Right, uh, let's move on to our free word reviews. Uh, you can send us your free word reviews at Canaan Rince on Twitter. Let's start with uh, Darren. Oh, we have Matt Charlesworth. He says, Desert Island game. Dan L says, addictive, like crack. <laughs> Phil Nicklin says, over 100 hours. Jonathan Edwards says, what's after jungle? Field Layla says, don't anger shopkeepers. John Timmons says, dig, die, repeat. Simon the Martian HD says, <laughs> totally spelunking brilliant. <laughs> Michael Kerr says, I hate snakes. Wenyul says, god damn it, dead. Darren Ragnar says, damn, I died. You died, which is kind of funny uh, after that free word review. You died says F word, those spiders. Go on, Josh, give it some oomph and I'll bleep it out. <laughs> those spiders. Alex79, UK, Indiana Jones Hardcore. Alan Wilkinson says, can't beat Olmec. Keep trying. <laughs> 
I apologize, guys. How do you pronounce Cat that? Catboy. Oh, Catboy. Catboy. Yeah, Catboy. Catboy says, hard as nails. Gary Dutton. Dutton? Is that how you say it? Yep, Dutton. Right. <clears throat> Gary Dutton says, astonishingly, deceptively deep. Okay, thank you for all of those free word, uh, free word reviews, everyone. Uh, let's summarize our thoughts, starting with Sean. I hate Splunky. I love Splunky, and I hate Splunky. All these things. <laughs> um, uh, as you, you were saying earlier, James, like I'm, I'm someone who really likes... Uh, we're, we're, all four of us are really into challenging games like the Soul series and stuff like that. And... Um, <laughs> But those games keep me coming back, and I kind of want... I don't know exactly why I don't ever want to play Splunky again. <laughs> like, I guess it's just... <laughs> I mean, a thousand-plus deaths um, just to beat it once felt maybe... I don't know. Maybe it's a little just too hard, I guess, for me. Um, so that's just my my experience with it. So I, I appreciate how, how challenging it is, and I really do enjoy the game. Um, but I, just, I, I'll, I can't ever go back. And I, I, I kind of wish we recorded this, um, before I played Binding of Isaac, because something I really like about that game, which is also procedurally generated, is that once you beat the game, um, it gives you in- more incentives to, to actually beat it again, because it, it adds more to the game, to the core game that you're playing. And I kind of wish Splunky did something along those lines, where it's just, um... It, it kept giving you more things at the more you completed it. Mm. Uh, but then I would probably be having beaten it only five times after 2,000 deaths and so on. So I don't know. But I, I do really like Splunky, and I, I recommend people who, who who really like challenges uh, give it a go. James. Yeah, I, I seem to keep saying this. I... I at some point, I'll have to stop saying about difficult games. I'm really not good at games because I, somehow I did manage to beat Spelunky. And like Sean, it took a month of kind of fairly consistently saying, "I'm never going to beat this game. I'm just <laughs> going to give up now." And then just being drawn back to it to try and beat it. And I, and I did beat it. And and for me, that's always a sign that a game's not not too hard if I can manage it. But when it comes to platformers, stuff like Mario games or or this or Shovel Knight, I played recently, and Josh, you know how much trouble I had had with that game. Um, yeah, it does just feel like it's not my natural uh, ability to be able to play these games. And and Spelunky uh, has clearly got a lot to it that kept me coming back, despite the fact that I didn't feel like I, I felt like I was making silly mistakes. I felt like I wasn't necessarily learning my lessons and improving at the game. There were times when I felt like I was getting worse at the game, uh, you know, several times where I'd, I'd feel like that, but you go away, you come back. There's something about it that does keep me coming back. And it is those crazy moments. Like um, it was Woodfell I mentioned, I think um, those moments where just random stuff happens where a, a snake attacks a shopkeeper and before you know it, you know, it's not your fault, but suddenly it changes the game. Suddenly, instead of that slow, plodding, deliberate, you know, creeping through, where do I want to go next? Right, get that, move on, yep, yeah, done. Suddenly it's like, okay, every level at the end now, I've got a shopkeeper to deal with. Let's see how this goes. And it's just seeing what comes out of a procedurally generated game. I do enjoy stuff like Binding of Isaac and this for that reason where 
just when you think you've seen everything 20 30 40 100 hours in something just pops up and you think i've never seen that before in this game and that shouldn't be the case but it is and that's why i go back to games like spelunky clearly from what we've said and from our correspondence it's not going to be a game for everyone but if you just want to see something that seems very simple but turns out to be much much more than that spelunky is is right there it's it's great and you can play it just about anywhere you want to be able to play it so yeah i I'd, I'd heartily recommend everyone at least give it a try, see what it's about. Yeah, um, Spelunky was a game that I started out really not liking. Um, it felt as though a lot of the times uh, when I died or when I lost a heart, the the what was causing it was almost coming out of nowhere. That like it was that like there was no way I could have predicted that. And so forth and so on. As I kept playing the game, I realised that that's nonsense. The game does flag a lot of the threats. You just have to pay more attention. And part of it was that I was just playing the game wrong. And and I, I know that's something people hate being told. But really, you cannot play this game like other 2D platformers. You can't play it like a Mario where you just run through every level. You have to slowly and methodically work your way through. And once I realised that, and once that kind of clicked into the into my you know, clicked in my head, um, I found Spelunky to be a game that I constantly went back to, despite the fact that you know completing it seemed like an impossible task. I managed to accomplish that, but that was over a long period of time. But the core game is so appealing, just the feel of controlling the character and how the items and enemies interact with each other, that it that, that experience was compelling enough that you know, completing the game wasn't wasn't a necessity for me. And um yeah, I have a lot of a lot of fond and hilarious memories with this game where I've died for the stupidest of reasons, but also <laughs> have accomplished things that I never thought I could accomplish. Um it's a game that I keep going back to even now and 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 uh, the daily challenges certainly give this game a you know longer legs than uh, I than I expected. Um yes, I highly recommend Spelunky. I I think it's <clears throat> It's one of it's one of my favorite games of the last five years. I, I, I think it's I think it's a, a really impressive piece of game design. Mm. Right, let's end with as we always tend to do with Kane and Rince, end with what I think is gonna be the most positive opinion on the game, Darren. <laughs> so um what watching Edmund McMillan uh, talk about Spelunky in a way that you know, it, it was clear to to me that it was his favourite game of all time. Um, you know, he was talking about the Xbox Live Arcade release being like you know the the biggest thing in the world. It kind of pulled me in, and at this point, I was heavily invested into both Super Meat Boy and The Binding of Isaac, the original Flash version on Steam. And so, when he kept referencing Spelunky as a as a key design point for The Binding of Isaac's sort of you know overall mechanical themes, you know, procedure generated bombs to get into places and you know you, you kind of you, you know you need items to get into certain areas of the the levels and stuff like that i was i was intrigued and you know i i, I loved it to pieces i love splunky to pieces and i will play it every day to the day you know that the, the games get eradicated from the earth and and, and that, that's a rare thing for me 
like uh, it, it handles a bit like Super Meat Boy again, which is another thing. Like it, it, it's a massive thing to say for a platformer. If a game handles as good as you know the best platform games, you know you've got something special. And the the thing that I've heard game de- developers describe this game is that it's a game developers like game. If you know what I mean. So that what it mm-hmm. does is so yeah. raw yeah. and it's so kind of intensely designed that ga- game developers just know exactly what they're what what they see in it. Like they see you know yep. just all the things like you can you can pretty much see the game design in front of you as you, as you're looking at it and i think that's absolutely crucial with spelunky because it gives you everything you need to know to get to the bottom mm-hmm. and, and win the game uh but because i'm so heavily invested in the binding of isaac and now the rebirth i've never really taken the time to reach hell and you know and you know and conquer these other other places and it's weird because it being a platformer i should enjoy it more you know i say i should you know in my head, I should enjoy it more because I, I love my platformers and I don't really like twin stick shooters. But for some reason, mm, yeah. Isaac's got me again, and yeah. I don't really understand why that is. But that's not to say you know I, I love Spelunky and I will I will get I will get people to play Spelunky when they come around and you know just just put it in their hands and even if they have one run they've played it and I feel like you know <coughs> I've, I've done my bit and it is one of the one of my favourite games of last generation and you know the fact that I'm still playing it on on all formats. You know, big up to the uh, the Canaan's forum for, for you know doing the Splunky Sundays with me in the lead up to this recording because every Sunday I was like, oh yeah, it's Sunday, let's let's play some Splunky, and it it just felt right it being on a Sunday. Like it was, it, even though the game's really intense and hardcore, you know, just a Sunday morning, just chilling out with the Vita on a sofa, just just doing a run, it's it's perfect for the mm. one and done experience as well as for the you know let's let's dig into the the nitty gritty of this game, and I think that's why. It has been so successful because it kind of appeals, not to everyone, but it kind of reaches into the far corners of like, you know, if you want to just play it for 10 minutes, you can do that. Or if you want to play it for four hours, you can do that. And I think that's why Splunky is so great because it's design, it wears its design on its on its sleeve, you know, with its, uh, with its sleeve rolled mm. up and you can see it. You can see what it wants to do and it does it well. And yeah, you know, there are side bits that I'm not keen on. You know, the, the, the multiplayer is a bit, you know, it's there. It doesn't ruin the main experience, but it's there. And, you know, the, the cartoony graphics aren't really why I play the game. Um, but, yeah, Spelunky will be on on my Steam. It'll be on my Vita. It'll be on my 360. It'll be on all the formats I can get it on. And I will play it, you know, at least mm. once a week, even now. Even, you know, two years after it's released, it'll, it'll be there. And I will enjoy it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I can understand why people won't enjoy it. But, um, for me, it is an absolute gem. Sorry, um, I think we might be remiss not talking about. Uh, I don't know if you want to edit this in somewhere else, it, it, just real quick. But um, I think it's really cool of Derek Yu uh, to go in and handle the damsel situation the way he did. Basically, as I understand it, what happened was originally the damsel was was only uh, only a female character. The 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 damsel we see in the game now, uh, the default damsel, I should say, uh, and there was criticism there and and. Possibly rightly so. I mean, and certainly in terms of the aesthetic of Spelunky, the Indiana Jones aesthetic, there there is a, a certain fidelity there to have the the male hero rescuing the female damsel in distress. That's a stereotype. It's not necessarily a good stereotype, but it exists. Um, and the criticism there was, well, should this game reinforce that stereotype, uh, which even just by observing it and and recreating it, it, it could be seen to do. 
So therefore, now we have the situation where there are optional damsels. Uh, the damsel I chose was the dog. I like the idea of rescuing a dog. I like animals more than people, frankly. So I'm perfectly happy to do that. Um, but to have optional damsels there so that everyone can have their own little version of that mini narrative within the game of going to rescue this uh being in distress uh, I, I thought yeah really nice touch and a really nice thing to do uh, without necessarily making a, yeah. a a massive deal out of it uh, and certainly uh, mm-hmm. it's nice to accept a, a criticism uh, or, or an obser- observation from people who love the game but maybe think that here's an area it could be improved without saying mm-hmm. we don't have the resources to do this or it would take extra you know x y or z's no yeah we'll just do this mm-hmm. yeah nice thing to do I thought Absolutely, I agree, Sean. Cool. That just leaves me, uh, Josh, to thank Darren, James, and Sean for taking part in this podcast. Next time in issue 161, we return to Castle Wolfenstein in Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, See you next time.